next song that we sing because it's pretty much it's a declaration you know it says I know nothing is impossible you know and it's kind of the thing I think sometimes we can maybe get to this place where you know we look at our circumstance or we look at our situation and and we say yeah I, I know God's word says this but this just kind of seems too hard this kind of just seems too difficult and you know I know God has a promise for this but Man, is he, is he really going to do that? You know, is the impossible really going to happen? But I think we kind of need to start looking at those situations differently and change the but. I think we need to look at our situation and say, this does seem impossible, but God. You know, th this does seem a little overwhelming, and I don't even know how it's going to happen. But I know who my God is. I know his power. I know his faithfulness. And so sometimes we just got to start declaring that instead of allowing the situation to have a louder voice. We need to let the promise of God have the loudest voice in our life. And so let's declare that this morning. Let's just sing this out. Man, I know nothing is impossible with you, God. I know every chain is breakable with you, God. And I know on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. I don't sink. I stand. So let's sing this out together.
Amen, amen. Can we pray together? Lord, thank you that nothing is impossible with you. God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus down to us to help us, Lord, to break chains of addiction, to heal relationships, to show us how to live, Lord, because we got it all wrong. But with you, we know the way. We're thankful, Lord, for this church and what this church has meant. Not just the building, God, but the people. It's the people in the church, the hands and feet, the leaders, the staff. You have us on a beautiful journey, Lord. And I know personally, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of it. We lift up your holy name and we praise you for everything that you're doing here and what you're gonna do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, new face on the stage here. Everyone can say, good morning, Justin. Good morning. <laughs> Justin has been attending here for quite some time, but he's also on our leadership board, and I went to the leadership board, and I said, I'm going to stretch you guys out of your comfort zone, and therefore I'm bringing them up. And you saw what Alan had to do last week, and I told Justin his was going to be even worse. So he's got to turn some backflips and do all kinds of things. No. no. I'm just glad I'm not Alan. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. That was, that was something. Alan. You missed it if you missed that one. So, Justin, thank you so much for who you are and for uh, what you mean to Salem Fields as well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your family. Yeah. Uh, so I'm wife, two little ones, got a four-year-old son, soon to be four-year-olds, a couple weeks, and a little daughter that's about 17 months. So I'm very busy at home. Uh, work at Geico as a finance analyst, been there about 10 years, just as long as I've been here at church. And uh, Gay asked me last night if I love my job, and I said, I love having a job. So, How many yeah. people would say, I love having a job? I love having a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're here to be thankful, right? So uh, one thing that I asked Justin last night was, tell us something uh, just unique about yourself or something that no one may know, and we learned something kind of awesome. Tell us, Justin. Awesome. Uh, so my top teeth are fake. And, and I asked him if he could pop them in and out, and no. he says, no, you're not supposed to Used do to be that. able to, but I, I fell in fifth grade on the way to school and, and busted my teeth out, and, and uh, a neighbor who saw me fall came and helped me. I had no idea who it was as a, as a young person. I'm in a stranger's home bleeding profusely, and, you know, they're asking me to call my mom. I have no idea what my mom's number is, and... It was an awesome time. So I went through the rest of elementary school and all of middle school with one missing front tooth. Aww. And yeah, so. Uh, Tell us about the worked, worked uh, out all right. interview. Kids are very nice. Oh, oh, so in high school, <laughs> I used to have a flipper I could take in and out. Well, I was the captain, so I was calling plays, and I pulled out my mouthpiece to call a play, and I dropped my flipper on the field. We break the huddle. I go to pick it up. My D lineman steps on it smashes it on the floor. <laughs> in the field. So I play a whole game with no teeth, like the front teeth, and I'm getting interviewed after the game, and uh, in the paper they say, with a toothless smile. <laughs> so How old were you, Justin? I was in high school, so oh. you know, it's great for the self-confidence, you know, you're sure in who you are. And I've been counseling him ever yeah. since. It's dark days, dark days. <laughs> So it's so good to have, thank you for sharing that, being yeah. very vulnerable, and this is all about being humble, right? That's right. It is. Right. So thank you, Justin. I love you, man. Love you, too. <laughs> He's going to share our announcements with us this morning. All right, guys. First announcement is uh, tithes and offerings, and I, I hope you all have found the joy 
in giving. Um, we are called to give, uh, not just financially, but of ourselves in general, of our time and our talents and our treasures. But, you know, we, we personally as a family had a ton of debt, but we also committed to give to the Lord on that journey of paying off our debt. And he has seen us through and blessed us through it in ways that we would not have even thought of 10 years ago. So I just pray that you find that joy. Um, you can give in many ways. Uh, the, the bucket's being passed by. You can drop cash or check in. You could, if you've ever heard that Salem Fields has an app, I don't know if that gets discussed a lot, you can pay on the app or you can pay out at the kiosk. Check in on Facebook. It's funny because I don't have Facebook or any social media, which is strange because my generation kind of invented all that. But if you have Facebook, uh, please check in and let your friends and family know where you spend your Sunday mornings and that you just love your church. First time guests, uh, please don't feel obligated to tithe or give. Um, we're really glad you're here. I remember being a first time guest here and I felt so welcome and uh, just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. So we pray that you come back and that you feel welcome. Uh, after service, there's a, there's a desk out there with a free gift with your name on it. Back to the basics 12 week course, we're probably five weeks in uh, each week is a new topic, so don't feel like you've missed out and you can't come. If you've missed the prior weeks, show up tonight. Uh, child care is provided, and you'll learn something great. And celebration service. One of my favorite things to do is uh, bring everybody together for baby dedications, baptisms, awesome worship. If you've never taken the time out to be at a celebration service, uh, highly recommend it because it's a phenomenal time. Uh, pretty sure I've never been to a celebration service where I haven't cried, you know, and that, that's hard to say as a man, but I've seen my wife get baptized on a whim. I've seen both my kids get dedicated, and uh, it's just phenomenal what a celebration service entails. So uh, I hope you can clear your calendar and get out here and check it out next week. And that's it. Yeah, give him a, give him a hand. Hey, and I want to say while the children are coming up, uh, we have a couple here that has traveled all the way around the world to be at Salem Fields Community Church today from Australia. Go ahead and stand up, you two. They went here years ago, and they've been living in Australia for a couple, couple of years. And they, they came back to the States just to be at Salem Fields Community Church. That's how important this place is. All right, good morning. So as you can tell, we have some visitors here on stage this morning. These are children from our Learning Center, and today we will be acknowledging and recognizing our Learning Center. And so we asked a couple of the kids from the Learning Center to come and perform a song during the service. And this is actually a special song because the children's ministry came over at the beginning of the summer and did a week of vacation Bible school for the children at the Learning Center. And this is, um, don't you just love kids? Come on. This is Jackson, everyone. Everyone say hi, Jackson. And so um, uh, they created the moves to this song as part of what they did for Vacation Bible School, the children at the Learning Center. Mr. Justin and Mr. Devin helped lead the worship for that, and they had a blast and a really great time. So we thought it'd be wonderful for them to perform it for you. And... In children's ministry and at the Learning Center, we like to have fun when we worship. We like to get wild and crazy. So if everyone could stand up so we can worship with them. 
And there's a part of this song that says, at the top of my lungs. And we tell the kids during worship, when that part comes on, to sing it as loud as you can. We usually tell them, I want them to sing it so loud that the church staff hears them over in the church office on the other side of the building. So if you can help them out, and every time the song sings, at the top of my lungs, if you could sing that nice and loud with them and help them out, I think we'll have an awesome time worshiping together. Here we go.
Michael Jackson's either going to be a worship leader or a, mar or a marathon runner. <laughs> but he was definitely into it. Tone, I think you have to come out of that cage and show him right there. Well, we're excited. I can't tell you how excited we are to have those kids up here singing today. If you've been following or been at Salem Fields for a while and you know all about our learning center and all the difficulties that we went through, uh, I mean, it got to the point where we lost our religious exempt and uh, because we had made some mistakes and, and done some things uh, that just caused some problems. And we also had a lot of rumors that caused a lot of problems. And our center was on the brink of we didn't know what to do with it. We, determined, we thought about shutting it down and just saying, okay, for a season. We had a great run, and God had called us to do a learning center so that we could impact kids and reach them for Christ. But maybe that day was over, and we contemplated putting it on uh, having another church. We even met with them a couple times to come in and lease our space. But as we began to pray about that center, it was hard to let it go because we felt that God had called us to do a learning center and that we could do it much better than we've ever done it. And we hired Michelle. Yay. And uh, Michelle has done an incredible job of turning things around and getting us uh, ready to be the kind of center that we uh, wanted to be and always dreamed of being. And uh, I just want to say that we, uh, just about two or three weeks ago, uh, we um, got our state license. So we are now a state license center. And the question is, people say, well, does, does that, we are still a religious, we still love Jesus state license center, and we're still using Christian curriculum. And uh, so I just want to say, Michelle and all the teachers, is there any teachers left in here that were learning center teachers? Look back here. Y'all just turn around and y'all wave one more time. These guys have worked their little hineys off uh, to make that place happen. And they're doing a great job. And I just want to say thank you to all of you and to Mark, Pastor Mark, as he worked with that as well. And uh, all the teachers that have just, and her staff, that have done a great, great job of making that center what we believe that's going to be awesome in the days ahead. And many kids are going to come to know Christ. So I just want to publicly thank you for your prayers. Thank God for his intervention. Thank Michelle and all the teachers once again for your hard work because God's doing an awesome thing, and we're excited about that. Thank you. And I just want to say it's been an honor. I've been over there since April, and it's been an honor and a blessing to be over there. Um, I worked in and out of there pretty regularly as the children's pastor because we do a church service for the Learning Center kids each week. And so I'd already gotten to know a good bit of the kids, uh, but it's been wonderful to get to know the kids even more now that I interact with them every day and to get to know their parents and their families and begin to build those relationships and to get to know the staff. And I know that Buddy recognized them, but I just want to also recognize them and thank them. If we can give them one more round of applause because... It is no joke to get state licensed, and I was a little bit of a crazy person <laughs> to try and make sure that it got done, and I had to ask a lot of them, and they did it all with smiles on their face, and so it would have never happened without each and every single one of them, and so I'm very appreciative and grateful for them, and I would like to say if you are looking for child care or you know someone that's looking for child care, please tell them to give us a try or come give us a try yourself. We really are a great center, and I know she works there. Of course she has to say that, but um, <laughs> my 
three and a half year old niece actually goes there. She's gone there for about 10 months. And when she started going there, she couldn't talk. She didn't know anything learning wise, um, preschool wise. And in the 10 months that she's been there, she knows all her colors, her shapes, her numbers, her letters. She's talking up a storm. And I know that the learning center is 99% of why and the huge growth we've seen in her. So I'm not just saying it because I work there. I'm saying it because we've experienced it in our own family. The staff is great. The center is great. We'd love for you to give us a try. And we have a video to show you some of the great stuff going on there. about Salem Fields Learning Center is the true love and care that is given to each of the students. The biggest thing that we fell in love with was the faith-based curriculum. Since then, we've come to know and love and trust staff. I have a peace when they're here that I know that great people are being good examples to them and teaching them how to be better people. It's just a small, intimate group and you're trustworthy. And when you're talking about kids and their welfare, you have to be able to trust their caretakers. You wouldn't think that a three-year-old's prayer life can grow, but it grows and I think it's because they're around people all day long that are showing them that God is great. treated my son as their own child. This is the place I would recommend to anyone. Good stuff. Well, we're so glad that you guys have joined us for worship this morning. Pastor Kelly's title of his message is On the Road Again, and so if you hear that title, you cannot possibly not think of this song, so we're going to do it. Just can't wait to get on the road again I find love is making music with my friends I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Going places that I've never been Seeing things that I may never see again I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again like a band of gypsies, we go down the highway We're the best of friends Insisting that the world keep turning our way And our way On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again I find love is making music with my friends I can't wait to get on the road again
first day. I'm so happy to be here. How y'all doing? I don't really care. It's just, it's polite to say that if I'm being honest with you. So, um, at any rate, so welcome. Glad you're here. We're talking about road trips today and uh, I just got off one. I went to, decided to go to three different beaches in a week and just, uh, I like to drive, to be honest with you. I really enjoy it. Some people do, some people don't, but for me, it's a, a sense of peace to get out and just kind of drive. I, my AC in my truck doesn't work, so I roll all the windows down, and I have to live by the airflow going into the truck, and I really like that. I'm trying to desensitize myself to the use of air conditioning for the, <laughs> in case a, an EMP gets detonated and we don't have power. I want to be okay. You know what I mean? So you should consider that too, you who are addicted to the AC. It's no good, man. At any rate, um, today's message, it, it really is, um, I wish it were somewhat lighthearted. I try to be that way as much as possible, but it's pretty serious, and so, um, but I think we'll have some fun doing it. The, the reason why we're talking about missions and outreach and things is, is not to guilt you into um, participating into that. It's to really, to dig down underneath what it's all about you know, why we do the things that we do and, and what the purpose is. And so at this point, I think it's safe to say the church is in a very critical position in the world right now. And, and, and especially in our particular church history, uh, we're in a really, really crazy, tenuous position. We're in a place right now where we're in this, this tension with the culture and we have to make these decisions as a church. Do we go this way or do we go this way? Do we parallel culture? Do we break from culture? Do, uh, you know, what do we do? And so it's, it's a pretty scary place, to be honest with you, if you're a professional minister, because you wonder, I mean, how, how do you approach people when your desire, your heart's desire is for them to grow just like you want to grow? right? But you also at the same time don't want to be like, it seems like you're so far off of what's going on in the culture today. It's kind of a weird place. But here we are. It's the, the staffs here and, and, you know, led by Buddy and Gay, it's our heart's desire that every single person be transformed into the image of Christ. Honestly, that's the only reason we do what we do. That's the reason that I do what I do anymore. I mean, I've had a lot of reasons in my life for doing the things that I do, and uh, most of them were very self-serving. Most of them were to make myself feel better or to be appreciated or to fill some void that I had in my life. You know, but recently, as I've really started digging and continuing to press in, God has started to reveal to me the, the deeper mysteries in my heart, and, and that is to become more like the Lord. And it hurts a little bit because you have to look at the places where you failed, you know? And so it's our desire that every person here at Salem Fields would embark on this road trip together with us. And so that's really the point of today. So I'm going to start off by reading a quote from C.S. Lewis, uh, one of my favorite authors and somebody who God totally radically transformed from an avowed atheist and a super intelligent one to probably the greatest Christian apologist or somebody who defends the faith ever. 
Um, so C.S. Lewis said something, and I'm going to warn you, it's not for the faint of heart, and which pretty much nothing I ever say is, but the, uh, when C.S. talks here, he's speaking on behalf of what Jesus is telling us through the scripture. He says, Jesus warned people to count the cost before becoming Christians. Make no mistake, he says, this is Jesus talking, if you let me, I'll make you perfect. The moment you put yourself in my hands, this is what you're in for, nothing less or other than that. You have free will, and if you choose, you can push me away. But if you don't push me away, understand that I'm going to see this job through. Whatever suffering it may cost you in your earthly life, whatever inconceivable purification it may cost you after death, whatever it costs me, I will never rest. I will not let you rest until you're literally perfect. Until my father can say without reservation that he is well-pleased with you, as he said he was well-pleased with me, this I can do and I will do, but I'll do nothing less. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to share time with friends. Thank you for the straightness of your message. God, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that makes any of this possible. God, I'd ask you that you would open our hearts and minds today, Father, as we seek out your path. Lord, as we seek out what you'd have us to do, your will. God, as we begin this transformation into Christ-likeness, God, we need your help. So many here, Father God, have come in hurting. Lord, I'd ask you to begin to heal. I'd ask for your, the spirit of healing and, and power to settle upon us. But God, more so that you would just open our hearts and our minds to your message. Let your word ring true. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So, who wants to go on a road trip? Trust me, if you go on a road trip with me, you'll have a good time. There's some people that have been on trips that are in here with me, and I, I can say a lot about myself, but I am fun. You know what I mean? So I, I would definitely uh, think that you'd want to do it if I were you, but that's, that's just me selling myself. So we're going to start in Luke 9. If you have your Bibles, Luke 9, verse 1. So what happens here, give you a little bit of a backstory. Jesus has gathered this eclectic group of people around him, right? So he's, I, I like to call them knuckleheads, and I'm sure they wouldn't appreciate it when I get to heaven and talk to them. They'll probably get mad at me about it, and that's okay. We'll talk it out. We've got an eternity to work it out. But, you know, they, they, he's got these, he's got hotheads, cool heads. He's got cool guys, weird guys. He's got doubters. He's got thieves, people who are untrustworthy. He's got tax collectors who everybody hates, zealots who are, you know, quick to pull a knife on you. I mean, he's, these are the type of people that he surrounded himself with, 12 of them, right? And so he's got these guys around him and he's been pouring into them for years. I mean, he called them out of their families, just like you and me. They had families, they had bills, they had jobs, they had all these things. And Jesus walked to them, called them from this into this new life. And the entire time he was pouring into them. I mean, he was telling them what they should do and showing them what they should do the whole time, consistently being with them all the time. And then all of a sudden, he comes to them and he says, now, here's what I want you to do. We're gonna try something different. I want you all to go out into the towns alone. I want you to take the message, everything that I've taught you and everything that I've shown you, I want you to go out and do it alone without me. I'm gonna stay here. And so the disciples are like, sweet, man, we just got a promotion. You know I mean? We finally made it. You know, Pops is letting us go out on his own. He's giving us the car keys. This is great. And so they're, they're gonna go out and they're gonna do their thing and spread their wings a little bit. But then Jesus pulls the rug out from under them as he's prone to do. He says, however, don't take anything with you. No money, 
no change of clothes, no food, no place to stay, nothing. I just want you to go and see what happens. Now, that changes the whole dynamic of the situation. You know what I mean? Jesus literally, he says, he called them together. He says, I want you to just go and see what happens. Proclaim the truth. Tell them about the kingdom. Tell them about me. Tell them about everything that you've seen. But you have no idea where you're going to end up or where you're going to stay. Basically, they're going to live from the kindness of strangers. I mean, can you imagine that, how crazy that is? I mean, these guys... They, they travel a lot. I mean, people in that day, they're used to traveling, but they always have things planned out. I mean, they had money for the road. They had a staff to protect themselves and walk with. They had a change of clothes like any normal person would. They knew where they were going. But all of a sudden, Jesus casts them out. He says, literally, I want you to take nothing and live off the kindness of strangers. So at this point, they're like, what is going on? But you know what Jesus was saying? I mean, he wasn't just sending them out to test them and see. There's a deeper meaning in this. See, Jesus, I believe, was saying to them, I want you to go and be and live like me. I want you to live as I live. You see, Jesus didn't have a place to stay unless he was in Nazareth. He really didn't have anywhere to stay. He didn't have a bunch of clothes. He didn't have any money. We don't have it recorded that Jesus worked at all. But he traveled from town to town. He didn't know where he was going to stay. He didn't have food. He didn't grow anything. He didn't have anything. He literally went from town to town, preaching the kingdom, showing people the kingdom, and living off of their kindness. The people that followed him, who did have money, they paid for him to live. How interesting is it that the Lord and creator of the universe traveled and lived off the kindness of strangers? And now he's telling his disciples, I want you to go and do the same thing. I've shown you what it looks like. Now I want you to do it. So it was so much more to them than just some some simple, well, this is going to be our fun time alone. Jesus is literally saying, I want you to now demonstrate what I have taught you and what you've learned all these years. Live as I have lived. Do you see the correlation in this? Do you understand this life, you and I as disciples of Christ, you and I as people who, if if we are those people who've said, yes, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, we are called by God to go out and demonstrate this life. It's more than just understanding about Jesus. Jesus says, that's great. Now I want you to do something about it. Go out and live this life as I live. So that becomes a whole different kind of road trip. You know what I mean? It's one thing, I mean, I've, I've, I know plenty of people, you go to my office, it's sparkling clean. I'm just kidding, it's a wreck. I, I, I love the chaos, sweet chaos. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know where stuff is and that's all that matters. I, it is sweet chaos, I love it. I've coined that phrase, <laughs> sweet chaos. That's my office. I don't like to plan anything. I like to just get in and go and see what happens. But I know some people, that would drive them crazy. I mean, they have to have everything planned out to the T. I like having those people in my life because if I didn't, this whole place would be sweet chaos. So God created people like that. I get it. You know what I mean? But so you're thinking, I I don't think I could do this, but I'm telling you that God is calling you into a little bit of this sweet spiritual chaos. 
And there's a reason for it. So if you're planning on going on a road trip, I mean, most of the time, the first question you ask yourself is, what's the purpose of the trip? What is the purpose of the trip? Very simple. God, he, he tells us very clearly on the surface, I want you to go proclaim the kingdom. Tell people about the kingdom. But think about this now. These guys are supposed to go and tell people who every single day are completely immersed in spiritual learning. Every single day, all the people in the town, they knew, they knew about God. They knew about who God was and the histories and, and all these things. They, they went to, uh, to church, if you will, every Saturday. I mean, they did this stuff. So it's not like they didn't know what was going on. So the question remains, were the disciples going to teach them something they didn't know or they were totally unfamiliar with or bring some kind of good thing to the people? Or was there a deeper purpose that God had for them going? What do you think? It's a deeper purpose. They didn't, Jesus knew these people don't need more spiritual information. They need to see something different. But what I want from you is to go and begin the transformation. The trip, the road trip that Jesus put these people on was for them. Because the towns they were going to, Jesus was going to those towns. The truth of the kingdom was coming to those towns. This trip was for the disciples to put their money where their mouth is, to exercise what it is they'd learned, to live as Jesus lived. So if you, if you sit and you wonder, what is the purpose of missions? Man, it is not for us to take our society to the, the uh, you know, degraded people in the world and the people who, who don't have running water, who don't have, you know, Netflix. God help them. I mean, can you imagine a life without Netflix? I don't even want to think about it. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's terrible to think about. If I couldn't binge watch something, I don't know what I'd do. We're not going to take our society to these, these, these poor people. We're not supposed to take our first world living to these countries who, trust me, are better off than we are because we're morally and spiritually bankrupt in the first world. We're not taking goodness to people who are in darkness. The trip is for us because we need to learn about the experience of who Jesus Christ is. God is calling for us to be transformed into his likeness. And that is going to happen as we go out of this place, out of our comfortable homes, out of our surroundings with all of our stuff. And all we have is to rely on him and the others with us. That's the point. That's why we go. That's the purpose of why we go. Next question is why? Why should we? Well, First off, let me make it easy for you, because God said so. Now, that's up to you. You could not care. C.S. Lewis says it very beautifully. He says, you have free will. Jesus tells us, you've got free will. The entire Old Testament is built on free will. You can do whatever you choose to do. You have that power. But understand, when you choose apart from God and averse from God, there are consequences associated with that. And if you want to bear those consequences, that is your right. That is my right to do that. But God says, if you wish to be in relationship with me, you got to go. 
Because I will not rest until you are transformed into my likeness and who I created you to be truly. I won't rest. I won't give up. I will never stop. Now, that doesn't sound very fun, does it? I mean, the reality of this, man, let's just be honest with ourselves. The reality of the Christian life is not fun. It's not made to be fun. It's not when you say yes to Jesus, I'll do what you want, Jesus, everything gets fixed. All of our bills get paid. I feel better. I, you know, my relationships are better. Everything is this hunky-dory all the time. That's not what Jesus says at all. He says, I don't, that's not the point. The point of all this is your transformation. Most of the time, we don't even realize our lives are sideways, our families are sideways because of us. We need to be transformed. And the purpose of this road trip is exactly that. Why do we do it? Because God says to do it. And he says that I wish you to take the knowledge that you've been gaining every time you sit your butt in that green chair week after week after week and do something about it. And use it and gain experience. Because the secret is, I love to argue. I used to. I've, I, I have prayed that away the best I can. I still have flashes of brilliance, but I try very hard not to argue with people because I don't assume that I'm right anymore, even though I am. <laughs> I don't have to assume. I know it's true now. That's the good thing about getting older. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I used to love to argue. I really did. I, I would argue about anything. It, whatever position you take, I take the opposite because it's fun to do. You know, and it's really, it's pointless, but it, it made me happy, so that's why I would do it. But the reality is, we, I, I love the, the knowledge of things and like to go and try to argue this and, and debate these things. And Jesus is saying, anybody can argue a fact. Anybody can argue a fact. I mean, there's no way you're going to talk someone into faith. It's never going to happen. It's not made that way. Now, you can bring great arguments, and I believe in that. I believe in knowing and understanding, and, and you know, we, we're intelligent people. God created us that way, so there's certainly knowledge in here, but you're never going to argue someone into heaven because it stops here. He's saying, I want to complete this journey from here to here, and I want you to actually have an experience and a testimony that you can share because guess what? You can't refute experience. And what happens is my experience of transformation that I can stand up here and tell you I was this and now I'm this by God's grace, praise God. I can also call someone else forward and they can tell you the same story and another person and another person and another and another and another until we have an army of people around us that all have a similar experience. How do you argue with that? Because you can't refute my personal experience. And we all get together. That's why God's called us to go because we go and gain this experience and it becomes our testimony. So now when we talk to people about Jesus, we just don't flap our gums like everybody else in the world. We show them the Jesus that we've experienced. Do you understand? We demonstrate the kingdom. So what's funny about this is the disciples, they successfully completed this. I, I know that because there's more than 10 chapters in Luke. So they keep going. <laughs> okay, so they made it back safely. That's if anybody was worried. They got there. Apparently they ate. They had a place to sleep, whatever. It worked out. They came back. So that's cool. Right after that, 
one of the cool miracles of the Bible happens. So Jesus, they're out teaching, and as, as people are prone to do, they follow Jesus around in multitudes. Because, like I told you a couple, or last time I was up here, Jesus is a cool guy to have at a party. <laughs> you know, because if you're short of something, he can make it. And that's a cool thing. So these people follow Jesus around. They're like, man, I'm not feeling very good, but every time I go around Jesus, I feel better. Or I get food, or I get drinks, or whatever. This is a great guy to know. And so a huge crowd is around them. It's getting late in the day. The disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, stop teaching and send them away because it's getting late, they're getting hungry, there's no food around here, and they need to eat. Jesus looks at them, he's like, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine? They're like, are you serious? The Bible tells us there's 5,000 men. People have guessed there's probably 15,000 people there. There's 12 disciples with little bag lunches. And Jesus is saying, you give them something to eat. Well, that sounds crazy in and of itself. But how crazy is it when just a few verses before, they did the same thing? On faith, they walked into towns that they knew nobody. They had nothing. And they were fed by God through strangers. They were taken care of by complete strangers and God's grace. And now Jesus is simply saying, do you remember what happened to you? If you remember what happened to you, do it. Because if God will do it for you, he's going to do it through you for them. How amazing that Jesus used the very lesson that he taught them on their trip to feed 15,000 plus people. Isn't that incredible? But that's what God does. If you want to know why we do what we do, it's because God shows up and shows off in our life so that we can then go to somebody who's hurting, who needs help, who needs hope, who needs truth, and say, you know what? Let me tell you what happened in my life. You see, I believe that we can feed this multitude with these little fishes and loaves because when I walked into town with nothing, I was fed. See, I believe we can tithe even though we think our bills are, are overwhelming us like an ocean wave, because when I tithe, God makes sure that I have food to eat and something to drink and shelter over my head. We can trust God because he has demonstrated to us, which is exactly the point of why we go on these road trips with God. Here's an easy one. Anyone who goes on a road trip, the, first, the, the natural question is, when do we go? Man, let me make this super easy for you. Get going. <laughs> Jesus says to, to, in chapter 9 and in chapter 10, he doesn't say, all right, get your stuff ready. He just says, go. Come over here. Let me tell you what we're going to do. I want you guys to do this. When do you do it, Jesus? I, did I not say go? Now. Go now. Get moving. The real deal about this is there's no perfect time. It's never going to be the perfect time. For us to go on a missions trip or an outreach or to do whatever God wants us to do or to say yes to God and to move from our comfortable spot, it's never going to be the right time. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have the time off work. Your boss is never going to call you and say, hey, I, I just had a wild hair. I want to give you a week and a half off and give you 1,500 bucks to go to Ecuador for some strange reason. I mean, maybe that'll happen. I'll eat my words, cool. But I haven't seen it happen yet. What I have seen happen is, I'd really love to go, I just don't have the money. Or I'd really love to go, but I'm not sure I could get the time off of work. You know, I do have a beach trip planned too. 
or I've got, you know what I'm saying? There's never the right time. There's never enough money. The stars are never going to line up. It's never going to happen. Jesus doesn't speak to that. What he says is go now. You don't think that they had other obligations, especially the 70 that he sent out after the 12? You don't think they had other obligations? I mean, they literally weren't just following Jesus around like the Grateful Dead. They had families, they had jobs, they had things to do. But he said, I want you to go and go now. And you know what they did? They went. And they came back rejoicing, telling the stories of casting out demons and healing people and seeing lives changed and seeing incredible acts of God. And they were fired up and they were passionate. Unbelievable. Because they said, yes. God does not send us into the world with nothing. This is the funny part. The weird part about this story is simply this. We look at it and we say, how crazy is it to not have any money, food, place to stay, none of that stuff? Because God's trying to tell you those things are shackles to you. Your home, your car, your luxuries, all the things that we have, it's a shackle. It's a handcuff that keeps us from living the God life. And what he's telling you is, you have everything you need already. I've given you life, I've given you health and ability, and I've given you the Holy Spirit. I mean, God has given us the Holy Spirit himself. We are filled. If we are believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are indwelt from head to toe with this Holy Spirit, imbued with the exact same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We have it. What else do you need? Do you not think that the creator of the universe is enough? to safely get you to Ecuador or Guatemala or across the street to Salem Fields to pass out hot dogs or give out you know, school supplies at Livingston? I, I don't have the guts to look God in the eye and say, you're not enough. But the Bible clearly says we've been imbued with that. We have everything that we need already. If you're waiting for the perfect alignment of things to happen, it's not going to because it already has. Jesus is telling us to go now. Most of us are so scared to fail. We're so scared to step out because what if I make a fool of myself or, or what if I stumble? You know what? C.S. Lewis continues his quote by saying, here's the other side of counting the cost. The same helper, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that says, I will make you perfect also says, I will delight in your stumbling because you said yes, like a proud father, Watching his child take their first step, I will delight. How many of you, honestly, I know it's, you, you get mad at your kids at some point, but if you've ever watched a child take their first step, I mean, I, I would love to, how many people scream at their kid for falling over from taking their first step? You idiot. You know what I'm saying? You took one, why can't you take, get on the, 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 the Usain Bolt train. Get on, let's start running. You're so happy that they took that one bumbling step because you know that's gonna lead to another step and hopefully another step. And they're gonna begin walking and then running and one day you watch them walk proudly in front of you and you remember that first step. That's God. So proudly watching us take our stumbling, bumbling first steps, scooping us up lovingly saying, try again, try again, try again as we get stronger and stronger. This is why we're to take this road trip. 
Look, the reality is, Jesus is not telling us to do something he didn't do. He lived this. All he is saying to us is, I want you to do what I've shown you to do. Each one of us here in Salem Fields today, every single one of us here today, God is calling us to transform from what we were to what he has created us to be. It is God's desire that we become like him. And he will not rest until that is so. Is that scary at times? Yes. Is it mind-numbingly challenging? Yes. Is it possible? Absolutely. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and the example of Jesus Christ and the love of the Father, we can and will embark on this trip. I'll close by telling you a story about Jacob. Genesis 30, and I, it finishes up kind of in 32 where I want to be, but right around that area, I suggest that you read it. It's awesome. Jacob was a guy who was born as a twin. His brother was Esau. You may have heard the story at some point. It's fascinating, however. Um, Jacob was named basically because he was a deceiver. So anybody named Jacob in here? I'm sorry, your parents hated you. <laughs> You're rotten to the core, I can tell. But you can leave here with a new name, trust me. So Jacob was a deceiver. Everything he got in life, everything he did was through deception. He stole his brother's birthright. He stole the blessing of his father. Everything he could do, his mother even was a, a contributor in it. He stole everything. So everything that he had came through thievery and deception. Really kind of a normal average American person. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Actually, just a world person. He's a normal guy. Just doing whatever he had to do to survive. Wanting more stuff, just trying to get more things, really. And so he lived this life, and his brother, once he realized that he had been ripped off by his deceiving brother, Esau basically said, next time I see you, bro, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kill you. And he deserved it, frankly. I mean, he stole everything from Esau. And he's like, next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. So he goes on about his life, and he runs away because he's scared of his brother, rightfully so. And he ends up going to try to marry somebody, but as luck would have it, he being the deceiver meets someone who's more deceptive than him. So he gets taken for a ride, he ends up getting the wrong girl, and he has to work and get the right girl, and it's just crazy. But he gets to this point where he's traveling, and he, he lays down to sleep and he has a dream. And he sees God in this dream, this camp full of angels. And he's overwhelmed. And God essentially says, Jacob, if you do what I say, if you're obedient to me, I will bless you more than you could possibly imagine. Now, what was interesting about this is that Jacob, before this moment, every time he spoke about God, he would say the God of my father. It was my father's God. I can, I can tell you about that. Growing up, I, I lived on my parents' faith. Now, I was, just like every other kid, I could spout off what I learned. I could recite scripture because I was taught to memorize it. I could preach. I could do all those things because I was gifted naturally to do those things. But the faith that I was speaking of was my parents' faith, not mine. And it wasn't until I was in a place alone, away from them, away from my home, away from everything, that I encountered God myself. It was my own personal road trip that I encountered God myself. And then I went from saying, this is the God of my parents, to my God. And Jacob did the same thing. 
You see, in Genesis 32, he's, uh, he's scared because someone comes to him and says, hey, good news, your brother Esau is across the river. He's coming to meet you. And he's like, crap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, things did not end well last time I saw that guy. So, okay, what are we going to do here? So he does what any good man would do. He sends his family and everything ahead of him. <laughs> you, know, you guys go first and see if he's okay. So he starts sending camels and donkeys. He's like, give him stuff, and surely he won't kill my wife and kids. And so he sends everybody across the river, and he stays behind. Well, it was worse because the messenger also said, by the way, he's got 400 armed men with him. So he's pretty sure this is going to be his last couple of days. So I guess for whatever reason, he wanted to spend him alone. Go figure. I I know what that feels like. (laughs) If this is going to be my last day, God, please let me be alone and let it be quiet. All right, so anyway, you've been a parent, you understand. So he, uh, he sends the family across the river, and there he is, and he, uh, the craziest thing happens. He gets in a wrestling match with God, a literal wrestling match. God entered in to his world and wrestled with him. And at the end of the match, God had pulled his hip out of socket, injured him, but Jacob would not let go of God, and God said, let go of me. He said, I won't let go until you bless me, God. He's tenacious. I won't let go of you until you bless me, until you promise me. And God says, here's the promise that I'll give you. I'm gonna change your name. No longer will you be the deceiver, but you'll be the man who strove with God, the man who wrestled with God, the man who held tight to God. You, my friend, are about to be transformed. This trip that Jacob was on from being a deceiver and a rotten human being culminated in him giving himself to God, obediently saying, yes, I will go where you want me to go and do what you want me to do, God. Whatever it is, I'll do it. And God said, I will bless you more than you could possibly imagine. Why? Because you obediently said yes. My friends, This is our wrestling moment. Some of you have been wrestling with God for years. And the answer is simply this. Go across the street and give a hot dog to a kid when we're there. Go pass out school supplies. Some of you need to get on a a, a plane and go to LA or DC or Ecuador or Guatemala. Do something with your faith. No longer know it, do it. Because you need to have the experience so that you can credibly talk to people about the love of Jesus Christ, if you have it. If you're wrestling with God, don't let go. But I'm going to tell you, God's not going to let go either. Because he wants you, no, he commands you and I to go. So I'm giving you the good news we got a road trip scheduled. We're going to Ecuador August 18th, my birthday. That's a shameless plug. August 18th. <laughs> 818. And we're going to, to Guatemala October 6th. Now, I realize that everybody here can't go, but I would think out of the 1,500 people that came on a weekend, we'd have more than the five signed up. What a shame. Because I can tell you this, the experience of who God is and what's going to happen to us us on that trip as we experience God's grace and greatness 
There's, there's no substitute for that. I'm going to be out in the lobby. If you want to know more about it, come see me. Honestly, I'm not trying to guilt you into it. I'm trying to encourage you to follow God and live the life that he has planned for you. It's a heck of a road trip, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to be transformed. I, I love it, and I'm asking you to join me. Are you willing to join? You want to go? Raise your hand if you want to go. I don't care if you want to go to Ecuador. I'm just saying, let's go on a road trip together, shall we? Okay. No, actually, it is Ecuador. I'm just kidding. They have to go. <laughs> I lied. All right. You're welcome. Everybody's welcome to go on this trip of life. It's a good one. It's a good one. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for who you are, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity, God, to um, just to, to, that you're willing to transform us, God, and that, that, that you haven't given up on us. God, it's, it's absolutely incredible to me to think about the Jacob kind of life that I've lived and that you have refused to give up. And you have always held on to me, God. And you have always called me forward into this life, transforming me slowly, methodically, painfully at times, but beautifully, God. Lord, I have to just give you nothing but praise because all the good things that I have in my life, God, have come through obedience to you. And it's not riches and it's not fancy things and it's none of those things, God, but it is the joy of being able to go to sleep at night knowing, Father God, that you are my God and my Father and that I'm walking towards you every bumbling step that I take and that you're with me. God, I just pray that experience over each person here. Lord, their first steps may be across the street to serve a hot dog or, or across the county to give out school supplies or across the country to help the homeless or or outside of this country to help kids and orphans. Whatever that step is, God, would you encourage them in your Holy Spirit? Would you empower them, God? Would you call them to you? And Lord, keep the enemy from them as he tries to steal them and give them excuses and make things happen that are gonna make it. Lord, it, I know, I know that you will provide. I know you will provide because you keep doing it for me. So God, I thank you that on your authority and on your experience, God, I can stand and say, you are faithful. And so I ask you, God, awaken the adventurer spirit in each person here, God, and be just as faithful to them as you have been to me. And we will honor and praise your holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Clap it up, clap it up. You join us in standing in worship. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I'll follow.
respond in obedience as you've led us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We love y'all. Thanks for being here. Have a great weekend. Invite a friend. We'll see you right back here next weekend.